seriously popular. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Mate, you've been bigging up your friend and Postacoglu constantly to me for the last month. And yet here we are two and a half weeks into your new season. They're out of the League Cup already. Um, well, I, in fairness to me, I haven't uh, been as carried away as uh, a lot of uh, the big time journalists like yourself have been with Ange Postacoglu. It's been a, a decent start to his uh, Tottenham career. I've got to say... Uh, Playing that team in the League Cup and and going out as they did, albeit uh, on penalties, that's a, a little bit of a momentum killer. But uh, come on, we're not we're not judging Ange Postecoglou on that one game, are we? No, we're not. But Tottenham fans really, really want a trophy. They haven't had one for a long time, mm-hmm. and despite the fact that Postecoglou has started very well in the Premier League, one of those trophies is now off the table already. Yeah, um, and did he get it wrong in terms of team selection? I think it did because you know Tottenham fans are, are desperate to win a trophy. Uh, but having said all that, I think Andrew Postecoglou said that um, after the game that. He wanted to give other players an opportunity to see what they could do, uh, which is a fair point. Uh, you know, he's only just been in the door. But look, I'm, I think I'm with you on this one in terms of uh, thinking uh, along the lines of you play your strongest team, you carry on the momentum and you're trying to win a trophy as, as Tottenham manager. So I think Ange Postacoglu got that one wrong. Albeit they went out on penalties. Premier League managed. Premier League managers are always telling us of the need for rotation, the need to prioritise the Premier League. If you had been playing in that Tottenham I, I don't team, think, I, don't, I do not think. Fr- 
I do, Ian, I don't think he, you know, talked about prioritising the Premier League. He just he just talked about making changes to see what other players could do. That's a that's a different argument. You can't level that one at Ange Postecoglou. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Short question then: If you were if you were first choice Tottenham centre forward, who'd started the season well in the Premier League, you'd have wanted to play in that game against Fulham, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah, you would. So they're at Burnley uh, this weekend. <laughs> Burnley, Burnley as uh, Burn. I think a lot of people thought Burnley would come up and do quite well, and they may yet do quite well. Mm. But they haven't started particularly well. They were outplayed by Villa at home last weekend. Is Vincent Company of day in danger of trying to pass his way straight back out of the Premier League again? Uh, if we're going for early judgments here, aren't we? Um, I mean, they've lost to Manchester City, they've they've lost to Aston Villa, uh, and yet they beat Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup, which was, I think, a morale morale boosting victory for Burnley. Um, I've got Burnley to go down in my preseason uh, predictions. Uh, I think it's difficult for teams coming up and they are going to play this certain brand of football. And I admire Vincent Company for the way he sets his team up and the way they performed in the championship. Having said all that, I do think that, um, that, that there is a danger playing this particular way. I remember Norwich City coming up under Daniel Fark and, and the first game of the season away at Anfield ended up losing 4-0, but Norwich City got a lot of praise for playing this expansive brand of football, this brave brand of football. Uh, but I think it could be a long season for Burnley, just on the basis that you you, you start this season with it, uh, you start the season with this with this belief in your way of playing. But then if you lo- if the players lose a few games, the confidence can seep out of them and they could be on a bit of a slippery slope. But, you know, it's too early to write them off. They've had a tough start, um, Manchester City and Villa. But uh, I do think it could be a difficult season for them. Your Premier League predictions sound about as original as your fantasy football team is. Burnley, Burnley to go down. What a what, what a free thinker you are. Moving well, on got, before uh, yeah, you get chance well, to respond yeah, just, to that. Just, 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 just to be clear, I've got I've got the three promoted clubs to go down, which was very brave of me. <laughs> you, such, you really are a man of great courage. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, we can't possibly do one of these little shows without talking about Manchester United. They are at Arsenal on Sunday. It feels like the game of the weekend. And things are not getting better for Manchester United. They've now lost Raphael Varane to a long injury. So that's Varane, that's Luke Shaw, that's Mason Mount. Um, but they've got a couple of days to try and grab somebody in the in the trolley dash that is the last couple of days of the transfer window, but they're up against it on Sunday, aren't they? They are up against it. I actually fancy Arsenal to win the game, and Arsenal haven't got off to a flyer. Uh, having having said all that, um, you know, Manchester United have won two out of the three Premier League games so far, albeit the performances haven't been there. So it's not been all that bad winning ugly, but certainly performance-wise, if you're a Manchester United fan, you're worried about the performance level. Now, I'm only going to say this for a second. I'm not going to discuss it with you because we'll be here all day. But I must admit that after sitting with you on our It's All Kicking Off podcast on Monday and telling the world that Marcus Rashford dived, I have now seen another angle. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I've seen another angle oh, yeah. and I might have to revisit it, but we're not oh, going to talk no, about it not. because we haven't got time. <laughs> you, I'm just you saying I've su- seen another angle. Are, I might have been wrong. You are such a chicken. I, might uh, have I to, mean, wow. 
on my just, after- just, <laughs> just well, because you've had a t- you're the yeah. you're one to talk about just because you've had a tad of you're abuse on social it. media. You're- I can't know. I haven't noticed that. You're one to talk about chickens. You're surrounded by them where you live. Um, but I have to say this. I might have to write Marcus a letter of apology. I'm just trying to decide at the moment which angle, at which angle I'm going to go with. Anyway, we're not going to dwell on that um, because it's embarrassing. Um, Arsenal, uh, Mikel mm. Arteta has had criticism. How can Mikel Arteta, Mikel Arteta be criticised by his supporters three games into a season after the season he gave them last time round, um, how can he be criticised? Because I suspect Arsenal fans feel there's still a bit of a hangover uh, from last season, and again, it's similar to Manchester United. We're talking about performance-wise. I think if you're looking at Arsenal's points, seven out of nine, it's it's not a disastrous start by any stretch of the imagination. It's just more to do with him tinkering. In the last game against Fulham, especially Trossard starting ahead of Nketiah, who'd started the previous uh, couple of games, then taking Trossard off at half-time sort of was an admission by Mikel Arteta that he got that call wrong. Kivior starting on the left-hand side. I know they're quite fluid with their formation. Thomas Partey starting, I think, all the games as a right-back. That doesn't seem to be a position which necessarily uh, suits him. And then the, then the Havertz saga. I find the Havertz thing really interesting because I think there are a lot of Arsenal fans who have suddenly become very, very negative in, in such a short space of time about Havertz, which I think is deeply unfair on him. Uh, but I don't think that... Um, I don't think that the Havertz situation is helping Arsenal. He needs time to to fit in and you know and develop. I, but I, I do see this in the early days of being a bit of a problem for for Mikel Arteta. I think if you're an Arsenal manager and you take a Chelsea player, he has to he has to do well. Uh, I think uh, Arsenal found that with with uh, Willian. I know he didn't come straight from uh, straight from Chelsea, but he um, or did he come straight from Chelsea? I think he maybe did. I need to do my research better. He ended up at Arsenal. You he was do. an ex-Chelsea player. That'll do for now. He wasn't give, He wasn't giving an awful lot of time. But then someone like Jorginho comes and does well. But Havertz has got to do well. I think if you take a Chelsea player, a Chelsea reject in the eyes of the Arsenal fans, he's got to hit the ground running. I think that's the problem for Havertz. Has he been that I bad? I think he's a good player. I think he were He's not, I don't think he's been brilliant. There was a, there was a, a clip on uh, social media of him playing a four-yard pass bad, badly, which a lot of people have jumped on. And that is the type of thing that will happen. I think he's a good player. I think he will do well there. Now let's move on to a game that at the moment is uh, is coming from the other end of the table. We are only three or four games in, but Sheffield United at home to Everton on Saturday lunchtime feels like an enormous game for both teams already. Sheffield United have just gone out of the, the cup to Lincoln. Everton scraped through. Somebody needs to win that game on Saturday, don't they? Um, well, yes. I mean, what are we doing here? Just stating the bleeding obvious, uh, are we? Both teams have had a, a shocker Correct. at the start of the season. Well, I am. I think, <laughs> you are. I think from a... I, I, I've got a lot of sympathy for Paul Heckingbottom. The job he did getting Sheffield United up, um, you know, that was not a gimme, uh, finishing second in the championship behind Burnley, who were the best team, but Sheffield United comfortably the, the second best team. And then they sold all the best players and go into a Premier League 
campaign and the expectation is high. But I think Paul Heckingbottom has been absolutely shafted. And then you're hearing all these noises uh, about uh, about the, the owner and his relationship with Chris Wilder and the possibility of Chris Wilder returning. I do not like it one little bit. In, in some respects, I bet Paul Heckingbottom privately is thinking, do you know what? I wish I'd have never got Sheffield United promoted. You know, we could have finished in a playoff place. Uh, not going to Wembley, not coming up, and I'd still be in a job because I don't see him being in a job in a couple of months. The problem at Sheffield United is that they or is that they literally cannot afford to get relegated. I think if they get relegated, that they will be facing some serious financial. Well, it's a good point, but I think Sheffield United, particularly financially, really need to stay in the Premier League this season. You refer there to the owner and Chris Wilder, just to clarify what that's all about. The owner obviously was 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 the owner of the club when Chris Wilder left a couple of years ago, and it was quite an acrimonious acrimonious departure. The owner has done an interview with Sheffield United. Um, supporters, a recorded interview in which he's really bigged Chris Wilder up, said that he's one of the reasons that they got up again last season. I presume he's meaning because some of Chris Wilder's players were still that, there. Come on, that's um, out of order, look, right? Playing li- it, it's odd. It's odd. That's what it is for the owner just to come out and suddenly say that. And if you were Paul Heckenbottom, you would probably be concerned about that. So they need a win uh, this weekend. They certainly need a point. What about Everton? They have, they did win in the League Cup. They've got a new signing. He scored a goal. What are your thoughts on, on, on Everton and Sean Dice? Um, my thoughts are pro- probably the same as as yours. They've created a, a lot of chances in a couple of games. You've got to blank the Aston Villa performance from, or banish that from the, the Everton memory bank. I think Everton will be fine. Uh, it's all about expectation at the start of the season. Did I think Everton uh, would would be pushing at the top eight? Absolutely not. But I, I still think they've got the right man in place in Sean Dyche, and they will stay in the Premier League. Uh, but that's just about it. I think Beto's important for them. Calvert-Lewin, if he can get fit, but how, how many times have we said that? Uh, but they needed a striker, and maybe Beto will be the, the difference in them staying up rather than going down. You've got them going down, haven't you? You've written them yeah. off. I, I did. I suggested they just, might struggle. Just yes or no. Um, yeah, no, you wrote them get off. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. That's my job to do that to you. Hang on a minute. Uh, I've Dominic got a poor memory, okay? I've got a poor memory, okay? But if I remember <laughs> rightly to the, to the first... You're getting, the you're first, getting on It's all kicking off we did. You you said Everton have had it. And now all of a sudden, one win against Doncaster, are you getting the bunting out? I said it's a bunting out. That's such a, such a kind of 1950s expression. The well, bunting. that's why I said Do people it. still get bunting the people still get bunting out. Um, people in the people in the people in the north can't afford bunting. Um, I said that Everton Everton could well go down, and they could well go down. Oh, the problem is, they've that got is scoring journalism, the, isn't it? The problem they well, you're the bloke who's got Erling Haaland in his fantasy Everton, Everton um, might Everton might go down. They might stay up. That's why you paid the big bucks you, for the Daily Mail. You mentioned you mentioned <laughs> Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He is key to it. Everton have been creating chances. They haven't got anyone to put them in the back of the net. However, getting Dominic Calvert-Lewin fit is a little bit like trying to get turn water into wine. So let's see. But they do create chances. They do create chances. And I think that is the one thing that Sean Dice will be clinging to at the moment. Now, let's talk about something that you do know about a little bit, which is Scottish football. 
the Old Firm Derby, first one of the season. Rangers hosting Celtic. Uh, Celtic have started um, the league season uncertainly, although they are top. Rangers got absolutely hammered in the Champions League qualifying at PSV last night. Um, it feels as though whoever loses on Sunday is going to uh, be facing a rough, a rough few days. Um, both Celtic and Rangers have been underwhelming uh, at the start of this season and there are reasons for it. I think Rangers, uh, Michael Beals brought a lot of new players in. I get that, uh, but they haven't really gelled and that's his biggest problem. And whatever anybody says, going out of Europe in the manner which they, they did against PSV, you know, they, they got a bit of a hiding at home, ended up with a 2-2 draw, but I think they had 30% possession, something like that at Ibrox. And PSV wiped the floor with them uh, in the Netherlands last night. Uh, and that was a bit humiliating. And now the pressure's on Michael Peel. But you've touched on it. The pressure's on Brendan Rodgers because of Celtic start to the season already out of the first domestic trophy, uh, the League Cup, after Brendan was seven from seven his first time round. And I think that there are those amongst the Celtic fan base who feel that Celtic have not done anywhere near enough in the transfer market. Do you know what? I cannot argue with that. It's a difficult one to call Sunday, but what we do know, uh, you know, if if Michael Beale loses, if Brendan Rodgers loses, then there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure building on uh, whichever manager. I would suggest, and, th- and this is re- perhaps indicative of the state of Scottish football, that the second best team in Scotland losing in the Champions League qualifying to the second best team in Holland is not that mu- is not, not not that much of a shock. Um, Standards are declining well, go, in Scotland. Uh, if you, I mean, this is, I mean, you're, you've sort of shot off there a little bit. I mean, last season Rangers um, knocked PSV out to get in the group stages of the Champions League. Um, would you have said that 12 months ago? Is that, a little bit knee-jerk that's what you. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Our, our sta- that's what I mean. Our standards declining in Scotland. I'm asking you, you're the Scottish football expert. Our standards uh, declining in Scotland. If you Right. So at this yes moment in no. time, our Celt... Our, our, well, hang on a minute. If you can, if you can let me answer, stop butting Get in. off the fence. Uh, let me finish... Let me finish my sentence, as somebody said to me on Monday. Well, if you start, um, if you'd start a, if you'd wh- start a sentence, it would <laughs> So where are Celtic and Rangers at right now? I think that both clubs are worse off uh, than they were a year ago at this stage of the season. You, you know, you look at both teams, both squads, I think they are weaker and that is a concern. I mean, there's still time, what, 24 hours left, whatever is it, uh, in the window to, you know, to, to bring in players. I think Celtic will bring in players. I'm not so sure Rangers will because, of, of course, there's that financial aspect of not qualifying for the group stages, which is a problem. So Michael Beale is probably praying that his that the players he's brought into the club actually start firing. The, the forwards, he's brought plenty of forwards in and they haven't fired. That's an issue for him. From Brendan Rodgers' point of view, um, Celtic have had a really, really indifferent start but haven't haven't hit the straps you know we've talked earlier um about the likes of Arsenal uh, and Manchester United not finding their performance levels the same can be argued at Celtic I think there are reasons for that and I think that uh, a large part of the, uh, that reasoning is that they didn't move quickly enough in the uh, in the recruitment market and they're paying the penalty for that 
I think once I think one day soon you and I should get together and talk for a long time about Scottish football. I think we'll get some other experts on. Graeme Sooner said to me last season he thinks Rangers and Celtic should leave the should leave the Premiership and come down and chance their arm in England. He thinks that the, the Scottish uh, Premier League should be left English up to clubs fight for itself. But it's English you know what, mate? Clubs it's would a heck fear of a debate. Celtic and Rangers. I know you're trying to goad me there, but I might not even disagree no, with you. I'm not, I think I'm it's not, a no, debate. I'm, de- no. I'm, be- I'm being deadly serious. I'm being deadly serious. So, so the um, so, so the Celtic team I was in, you know, we would have without a doubt finished in the top four in the English Premier League. And then you think about all the all the money which comes with that, the riches which you know comes with playing in the Premier League. There, there's a massive financial gulf, an enormous financial gulf. And that is the difference. That's why you get you get uh, lazy people from down south who are very critical of the Scottish League. But I mean, the money being wasted in the Premier League year in and year out is absolutely astonishing. I, I think it's a brilliant debate. I think it's one for another time. I do honestly think that something has to give at some point um, for Scottish football almost to kind of save itself. But you're better qualified to talk about that than I am. We haven't got time to do it now. But we will return to the subject, I think, because it's a fascinating one. Mate, good to see you on such great form. Glad your earbuds haven't fallen out this week. Um, <laughs> go and sort your chickens out. Go, go, go and tend to the chickens. And I'll, uh, I'll see you on Monday. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.